Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep into the big picture of the Book of Boba Fett, take a look back at the whole series, now that the whole tapestry has been woven together. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. 
I'm Ken Napsok. It's going to be so fun to look back our nostalgic memories to Book of Boba Fett, the show that ended last week. But it's important to uh, look back when it's all completed, like Joseph said, that tapestry hanging on our castle wall here at Force Center to find what it means. But you guys out there listening have uh, heard Joseph and I all through this uh, season, uh, this Book of Boba Fett reporting. Uh, we felt, uh, you know, there's another voice out there to do that. So today, Joining us to look back on Boba Fett and all the lessons and fun we had is our special guest. Hello, my name is Jennifer Landa. Oh, yay. <laughs> yay. yay. It's fun to act like we didn't know who the special guest was, Ken. Like, <laughs> what? We didn't even, we just sent out an email and somebody was going to show up and it's Jennifer. <laughs> big reveal, confetti. Big reveal. We are so happy uh, to have you here, Jennifer. We're going to get into all of the, the Book of Boba Fett uh, talk, um, but your TikToks have been so great and to see your enthusiasm, to see you zero in on specific ideas and moments in history. It's just, it's been such great Jennifer Landa style reporting on Boba Fett on TikTok and it's just been great. <laughs> Furry Jawa hands, the Star Wars investigation. Uh, there's just been so much. I can't wait to dive into it all with you guys. All of these big returning characters, but how furry are the Jawa hands? That's the big question that haunts us every night. All right. right. We are going to talk about uh, Audible because we want to let you know, as always, that today's podcast is brought to you by the aforementioned Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Midnight Horizon, the latest High Republic adventure by Daniel Jose Older. You can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. But Ken, there's more. There is more indeed. We have another. There is another Inside Editions publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books is offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Jedi Artifacts. Yes, get the book and get the artifacts using that link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. And with that out of the way, we can dive into the book of Boba Fett. Uh, Ken and I are going to share some of our thoughts. Some of these questions are for all three of these, three of us, <laughs> three of these, three of us. Uh, but some of these questions are for Jennifer because we're really hungry to know your full perspective. So we want to start with the big picture. Jennifer, what was your overall reaction to the book of Boba Fett? Um, did it hook you right away? And if so, how did it do that? What elements spoke to you? All that great stuff. I loved it. It was like, oh, I, it was a continuation of my love for Return of the Jedi, what I've been waiting for all these years. And immediately just being in that setting of Jabba's palace, of course I was in. Um, then when we see the Gamorrean guards and we see all these familiar alien species, I was thrilled because it's one of the things that I've been wanting to see Um you know, throughout this new era of Star Wars. I want to see more Athorians. I want to see the, you know, Clutunians, all these species which we got in the Book of Boba Fett. And I thought that Boba Fett himself, to, to excuse my pronunciation, Tamora, Tamora Morrison, mm-hmm. his performance was phenomenal. He was so good to as Boba Fett, and not just like, you know, as a badass, but he brought depth to this character that I did not know <laughs> was there. Um, it was just really, it was a fun and also beautiful show. Yeah. 
So, because you, if I remember correctly, you were kind of okay on Boba Fett, right? Like you weren't a super Boba Fett uh, fanatic, but you were not also like a, why is Boba Fett here? <laughs> right, right. I was, I was like, eh, I didn't understand the hype around him, even, you know, as a kid. I was like, yeah, he's cool, but we don't really know anything about him, which I know really appealed to a lot of people is kind of that mystique. But yeah. for me, it was just like there were so many other things to dive into. So I was like, do we really need a Boba Fett movie way back when? Do we really need a Boba Fett show? And then when he appeared in The Mandalorian, I was like, yes, we do. We do need a <laughs> Boba Fett show. And I just... Every week it was, I felt like a kid again. Um, it just was so much fun and it brought me so much joy as a fan. Mm. So I just am loving the series. I really hope that they do a season two. Really hope. Um, oh, I love what you're saying that has a, a perspective of, of fun and heart, like that there is absolute depth. Like uh, Boba Fett, this character who, you know, at, at some points in his history was stoic and unknowable, kind of uh, took us on a little tour of his heart. And then literally, uh, like for you in particular, Jennifer, took you on a tour of Jabba's palace. Let's go down to the kitchen. Oh, oh my gosh. I was like, are they going to bring Jabba chef? Are, are are they going to do a Jabba's Tales, you know, uh, yeah. are they going to bring that story back? No, but that's, that's all right. That's all right. Um, I appreciated it. It was, it's just fun. It's just, you could tell that everyone on that show was having fun making it um, yeah. from the, you know, the concept art to the, to the creature design, everything um, to, of course, the yeah. writing and directing. So it was awesome. great. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll try to dive into some of those details, but I, I want to take a moment to kind of uh, sum up what each of us thought this show was ultimately about. I think there's probably going to be some some overlap yeah. <laughs> in what we think this show is about, but I am really interested to just see like if we all tried to kind of compress it into a short summary now that the whole thing is over, you know, what ultimately is the big idea of Book of Boba Fett? Ken, I want to start with you. Yeah, I'll go with the title sentence here. And to me, it is that one change can lead to so much more. Uh, we've been talking about these big Star Wars themes every week, power of change, power of empathy, ability to connect with something outside yourself. And and those themes, I think, need to be in Star Wars projects over and over and over again, because I think that's at the core of it. But I try to look at what this one, one was, and, and to me, it was this idea of Boba Fett kind of steps forward into change by himself at first, then with the Tuscans, and it just grows. And then everyone is affected by that. And how a positive move can can uh, continue to to roll on out like a like a seismic charge of change, <laughs> <laughs> a seismic charge of change. I love it. Um, yeah, I, we'll we'll uh, lead to the big finale and save Jennifer for last because I I think Ken now you have been talk you know I've been talking about this every episode so we agree. I think a part of it for me is it, it is about uh, uh, pulp and fun, right? That's the storytelling style. So that was important to me about what it's about. I think what Jennifer was saying of that that spirit of fun and let's look at these different aliens in different places so i think that was the tone but then for me it really just it told the story of boba fett's long suppressed desire for family those shots of him as a kid with his hand on the window as his dad left you know remembering that he's always wanted family connection mutual respect he uh you know gets that for himself he builds that for himself and then that desire extends out to the entire community of tatooine so we have this big theme of it's about family and connection. And then I think it's about what stops us from that and in, in who pushes back against that. And it becomes this big picture about uh, how much systems and leaders are resistant to change. I love that 
everybody, both it's like, hey, I think this might be better. Let's, uh, I'm going to try this change in myself. I'm going to try to perpetuate it across uh, Tatooine. And everyone resists, right? The criminal underworld, the, kind of the armor's version of the Mandalorian creed. Even the Jedi up to a point have their rules. And the show just kind of demonstrates uh, the, the power of the individual to choose their own path. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett, Fennec, Din, Grogu. Almost all these characters kind of take this risk of being vulnerable to have community. And in order to do that, it is this challenge uh, to get past people who don't want things to change. Mm. So that's for me what I like about it. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer, for you, what what was the the big idea? What did you take away from it? Oh, boy, you you both. I, I've been enjoying listening to your, uh, your recaps um, on the show because you guys just... You get it. You dive deep, and and for me, I think it's about family, obviously, but it's and it's also about loss, kind of what you're touching on, um, and how complicated families can can be. And both mm-hmm. Dinjarin and Boba Fett kind of felt like they had found their families with you know the tribe, mm-hmm. the armor, and then the Tuscans, and then they lost them both. Mm-hmm. And and what does that mean? Um, and and then they have to go and rebuild a new family and how that's kind of that's challenging. Um, and obviously we'll see that with uh, hopefully season three of the Mandalorian with Dinjarin and uh, Grogu and and that journey. But yeah, I, I think that you guys just perfectly sum it up so well. Um, you know, for me, it's about cool starfighters <laughs> oh, no, and I, Gamorrean guards. <laughs> it is all that. It is all that. But I, I really think you're touching on one of my favorite things about the show too, Jennifer, which is the the ongoing process of healing and, and that loss of family that you're talking about with the both of them, especially when you think you, you found something that you needed and you did, and mm-hmm. it's still there for you to learn from. But yeah, then the ongoing uh, process is just life, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's got to, the hurt's going to still uh, keep on coming. And I, and I was joking with someone this weekend. I was uh, at some uh, tapings for a show and and we're talking about it. i just said you know there's just something about this uh show it's just kind of this self-help manual which is <laughs> why i really loved it in a lot of ways right yeah absolutely uh, it, for me this is like just this absolute uh pamphlet from the rancor keeper <laughs> on <laughs> ways to heal uh particularly middle-aged people um <laughs> but jennifer i love that you point out the trauma of it because it it is so easy i think uh in real life if you kind of try something that leaves you open or vulnerable to get hurt by it and then retreat back into uh your you know emotional metaphorical armor <laughs> boba mm-hmm. and din sometimes their armor is an image of identity but sometimes i think it's kind of an image of i'm going to retreat to this right mm, and i'm going to be right. this stoic uh you know everybody is out for themselves that's that's the truth of the matter and i think the fact that they go through trauma all of grogu is going through trauma too right reliving order 66 and they're all choosing to go like yes i know when you're vulnerable you can be hurt but i'm gonna try again i think it's so important that you point out the trauma and i think that that's why i i really liked the pacing of the show We'll, we'll get into that later i'm sure um but i felt like they really took their time exploring that with each with each character you know the loss and and the trauma and the the internal conflicts we needed all that to build to this epic finale and i thought that they did a, a really great job with that yeah I, I thought it was extremely epic um we're not i'm, I'm sorry to upset any listeners but we're not going to spend any time discussing the controversial spin <laughs> Oh my I gosh. feel like we have uh, more exciting things to talk about than the uh, two seconds of the flamboyant <laughs> characters spinning. 
Uh, Now that I said we were not going to talk about it, I I do want to make sure that you guys are okay moving on from that topic. Uh, When I saw that discourse Brett got this weekend, this is I went, oh yeah, he did spin. (laughs) I just forgot. I just forgot. Oh my Jennifer, gosh. did you have any any uh, spinning thoughts that you were uh, burning to share? I actually cheered when he did it. I was like, <laughs> yes, it's like just flair, you know, It's and it's also and I know this was a part of the criticism, but for me, it felt very Robert Rodriguez, which I loved. And it just felt like fun that like this is Star Wars. Let's not take it so seriously. You know, yeah, so it, felt to I me, it was yeah. great. It felt to me like a character moment. I mean, I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest. If I ever found myself in a in a blaster fight, um, I would probably be a little extra at the risk of my own life because <laughs> I'd be like, cool, I'm in a blaster fight. Should I try a spin? I, that's probably how I'd get myself killed. But I'm going to be honest. I'd maybe spin too. Absolutely. Uh, so let's, I want to talk about Boba Fett himself a little bit. Jennifer, you touched on this, uh, but Boba Fett has had so many identities over the different years of his existence as a Star Wars character. At the end of this show, who do we think Boba Fett really is? Does his character track over his many years of storytelling? What do you think, Jennifer? Oh my gosh, that's that's to me what, what really blew me away with this character. And like I said, uh, uh, Tem, I'm going to call him Tem, Tem's performance is that you know, it helps that he was he was in the prequels and, and, it, and it helps that he has that history with Star Wars. It just felt all the more believable. And of course, seeing the flashbacks, seeing what we know about the character from the Clone Wars, it all built up to this, this moment where looking at this character, I felt the weight. I felt the trauma that he's been through in his life. And when he says, I'm not a little boy anymore. Oh my gosh. I just, I had flashbacks to him, you know, as, as a kid in the clone wars. And it just was, it was great. It was for me, it was kind of unexpected. I didn't, I didn't expect for them to, to dive this deep with this character. I just thought he was going to be really cool. And they proved that there is, there was more to explore. And that is a testament to, to the actor's, performance and where he went um with that which i thought was great yeah and i know i know you were never like a huge boba fett fan but did you still feel like connected to the version of boba fett that you know from the original trilogy did you still see a part of that character existing in in this more complex character oh that's i loved it because i just felt like you know uh tem has like this this warrior-ness to him, he mm. has this natural gravitas, right? Mm. When he walks into a room, I'm sure anywhere, people probably go, well, you know, he has yeah. that presence about him, which Boba Fett, which is why people love Boba Fett for so long, is because he had that aura, that mystique, that presence, and Tem naturally has that. You put him together with the depth of the character, and for me, it's like, this is, he's my new favorite character, Boba Fett. I never <laughs> thought I'd say that. Shocking. I know, right? I, I totally agree with you on the gravitas. There's this energy for me that, that keeps him connected to the original trilogy where he walks in a room and he's kind of like, I could kill you all, uh, but I'd rather offer you a job at union rates and perhaps a melon. You know, like <laughs> Right. Right. And the humor. Oh, I loved the humor that that he that he brought, which was just, it was just fun. It was it was pitch perfect, all of it. Yeah. yeah. Ken, what do you think? Uh who do you think Boba Fett really is and does his story track over the many years of storytelling for you? He's like a good pop song. He is reborn. Um, (laughs) I really go back to uh, what we were looking at in the first uh, episode, the first chapter. 
And there was a little bit of discourse out there of like, ah, oh, there wasn't like that big Baby Yoda reveal, which you you know the season's going to be about that, and that's kind of a, both a MacGuffin and a key plot point or something like that. And, and I understand that that side of it, but I really felt, and I said it then, and I believe it even more now, having just done a rewatch of this series already, that first chapter really does end with him getting his life back. It mm-hmm. literally is in his hands, and now that he is, uh, you know, uh, kind of free from uh, from being a captive of the Tuscans, is now on on a perhaps a path to, you know, maybe at that moment he doesn't think become part of the tribe, but just he's he's got himself back in a way. But it's like it's all new, it's all brand new, and and I really love this idea of reborn. And then whether and that kind of flows into the thought of of uh, you know does it connect or is it a track with the the original trilogy character? And there are moments where I've thought I don't know if it does, but I mean that in a good way. I recently had a personal experience where an old Facebook photo of me popped up. That's not too long ago, but it's like five, six years ago. And a friend of mine was like, texted me the memory, you know, Hey, remember this? And I was like, I don't, I don't remember that person, that person that I saw (laughs) that is me, uh, not just clean shaven now of a beard used to wear suits. Now I don't even own a suit. It it was just like, I don't know who that person is. Mm -hmm. And now I've got to wonder if Boba Fett's looking back at hollow vids of Empire Strikes Back going, that's (laughs) me, but I don't know who that is. And I just feel that that from chapter one on is kind of how I look at Boba Fett now. Yeah, I think for me, what I love about kind of seeing the original trilogy version of him and, and this great idea you have, Ken, of what if, what if Boba Fett looks at his Facebook memories? I mean, that would be a great scene with him and Fennec. Like, yes, here's where I got solo. It wasn't worth it. Um, but I think th- what I love that I feel like that first episode so crystallized is I think he's kind of been lying to himself uh, or, or just following the wrong path since he's a kid, right? That w- yeah. there's such an establishment of this, uh, seeing this traumatized kid that we know from Attack of the Clones, that we know from Clone Wars, that you can infer just from watching this show of, uh, you know, who's on this uh, ocean planet and then everything after that seems like it's harsh and in pain, right? And mm-hmm. it, he's defined by that trauma, but he just wants to follow his father's footsteps, right? He thinks he had a vision of who you're supposed to be, which is this is the vision of strength and power, which is kind of... um just keep your head down and look out for yourself and be the toughest, be the best, be the most stoic, and you'll be king, right? Yeah. And I think in Empire Strikes Back, he, you know, I was of the generation that he was this unknowable badass. How could anybody be more deadly, more cool than Boba Fett? And all of that sort of configures, it confers an idea of power on the role of warrior. Yeah. And I feel like when he's looking back at the Facebook memory of Empire Strikes Back, he's just like, I was just... Darth Vader's henchmen. I didn't make decisions for myself. I lied to myself and said I was, but I wasn't a leader in my own life. I was being told what to do by other people and convincing myself I had power because I'm good at violence. Mm -hmm. I want real power now. I want to turn myself into a a leader of communities, but more importantly, like I want to take control of my own life. And I feel like at the end of that first episode, when he gets that melon and like he did that for himself, and now this kind of this uh, idea of leadership and community is is given to him because he he earned it and he can go on earning it. You know, yeah. I think for me, that's how it, it, it all really comes together of he is still this violent, stoic guy, but he mm-hmm. also wants to be within that honorable in in caring and wants to explore lots of sides of himself. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of my favorite exchanges of the whole show is that you know exchange with the rancor keeper where the rancor keeper or where boba fett says the rancor keeper about the rancors i thought they were bred just to fight and the rancor keeper says they're powerful fighters so that's what most know and i feel like that's his facebook memory vampire strikes back like that's what people think i am 
And I, I know I am more than that. And I'm going to have the actual strength and vulnerability to try to be more than just that. I'm still a rancor. I I can still kill and I will, but I want to choose who I'm going to be. There's more to me than that. Yeah. Man, I love that scene. I, I, Jen, I don't know what you felt about that Danny Trejo scene. I was just on a lunch break this week on a shoot telling a friend uh, all these things about the scene, and I just felt they were looking at me kind of like I was crazy. <laughs> oh, like, no. But it's just, it's just Danny Trejo and a rancor. I'm like, no, no, that was everything. That was the, se- that was the season to me. Was that, uh, that was the heartbeat. Yes, we, we saw Boba Fett. I've never seen him so tender. I mean, he is an animal lover, right? Like, <laughs> And just seeing how he's... Ah, it just, I, I, it was so natural. It was so real. And I'm just like, he's bringing all this and he's acting with, you know, this basically giant head puppet. Um, and it just was, it was beautiful seeing that side. And when he says, I want to ride him. Oh, <laughs> yes, I want you to, too, because I want to see that, which we did, obviously. Yeah, the, I want to, I want to ride him is, it's such a, it's, he sounds like, to me, uh, original trilogy, both had that clipped direct, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, but then like, uh, Right around the same time, the same scene. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's the spot there. There, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's so great. good. Uh, so, for some uh, viewers, it was jarring to have those two episodes of Book of Boba Fett that didn't feature much or any of Boba Fett. Um, Jennifer, ultimately, do you feel like the story all came together? How do you feel about that discussion of those two uh, uh, Boba Fett less almost episodes? I, I mean, I, I love the episodes, as I know many, many people did. I thought it was actually very important to kind of check in and see where Din is on his journey. It also gave more significance when he shows up to help Boba Fett, because we know what he's been through. He's, you know, he could have, they could have just had him show up and just be like, hey, what's up? But it wouldn't <laughs> have had the same, like, weight. In fact, he would have actually kind of just been reduced to more of like how Boba Fett was in the original trilogy, showing up for the cool factor. Hey, you know, Mm. give a little nod. So for me, I thought that that was important. Obviously, it was also important to be able to see Grogu and his training and why Grogu would show up as well. Um, So all these pieces kind of had to come together in in a nice way. And for me, it kind of felt like Game of Thrones-like, you know, Mm. where you're checking in on the different families, what's going on. Um, And so I had no problem with it. To me, it just made the final final episode that much more exciting and gratifying. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, we're probably going to be in agreement on that. But I'm also just really curious, as your initial viewing, right, when you sit down to watch these uh, for the first time as they were being broadcast or streamed, and you were like, I'm so into Boba Fett, this is great. What what other aliens are we going to see? Are we going to go to an Aqualicious house? And then you're, you're seeing something different. Did you have any moment of being distracted, wondering, is Boba Fett going to show up? Or were you able to turn that off and just go for the on the ride of the episode that was being presented? Never, never for a moment. I mean, well, that episode, you know, where's where's uh, Mando and he's visiting the armor and we see, you know, the ring world. It was just, and the airplane, well, not airplane, obviously, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. And the little Rodian child, it was, it was like one thing after another. I was so sucked in to this story, but it's not like I went, you know, where's Boba Fett or, oh, I want to see more of that. I went, okay. That was an excellent chapter of this book. Now we're going to go forward to the next. I, it just was to me. I thought it was so exciting, um, 
And I was like, gosh, dang it. I need to go back to the Clone Wars and <laughs> rewatch some scenes, because, uh, some episodes. Cause I was like, oh, my, my Mandalorian lore is, is bad. So I gotta, I gotta catch up on that. Cause they are bringing it back. They are, they are writing it. They're, you know, Dave Filoni, he's like, he's got a master plan. And so I gotta, I gotta refresh my memory. Oh, this is, is so great. Uh, like, I, I'm almost getting teary to just hear the purity of, like, <laughs> it was really good and really fascinating. Uh, so I got sucked into it, and I trusted where it was going to go. Because I've just heard from so many people and so much discussion about even if they enjoyed the episodes, it, they had a hard time enjoying them the first time around because they were distracted wondering where Boba Fett was. And it's just thrilling to me to hear that you were able to just disappear into the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not, I'm not a writer. Uh, I just, I just love watching. So <laughs> wherever they want to take me, I'll, I'm going to be on board. Cause this is, yeah. I, I love this crew. So. Yeah. Ken, how do you feel about this uh, now that it's all wrapped up? You know, yeah. how much of a controversy for you is it, or is it just in the rearview mirror? It's it's in the rearview mirror, but also what's in the in the front of my windshield is this image of uh, Jennifer as a baby roadie and just watching Mando, going, "Yes, where are you taking me? Where are we going? Where are we going?" I want to be on the space greyhound with the Rodian child. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Look, I think it all connects uh, thematically. We we talked about it week to week there, and 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 Jennifer's right. We get to know why those characters chose to be there with Boba. Fett. That, which is the response to Boba being in their lives a little bit earlier. So all that kind of makes sense. And I think the other side is then I guess Grogu and Mando just, you know, didn't have to be there in that finale. And, and that probably would have been okay as well, but we, that wasn't the case. And, 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 and we really believe in engaging what's presented to you. And I think uh, it's more smooth than people initially thought. And, and I too, um, I've said it before, I, I, you know, grown frustrated and just plain exhausted with the discourse around the conversation. Number one, I just don't think it's new to Star Wars shows. Rebels have done this. I mean, Maul and Kenobi is one of my favorite moments in the Ezra show. So, <laughs> and then the Hera show and the Kanan show, to be clear. Bad Batch uh, did that for a couple episodes. Clone Wars, which is arguably, you could say, hey, it's an anthology theory series we're um more used to it jumping around i still look at the mortis stuff has nothing to do with the clone wars and everything to do with the clone wars right and, and you spend three episodes on on magic space planet like it, and i just think it's normal as part of it uh and i think when people go back on more rewatches it will be smooth that bryce dallas howard episode particularly i think will just flow so nicely with what's going on and i don't think you'll think about it as much that said i do want to acknowledge i understand it i do understand it i, I said every, every week i miss boba fett uh, and I think that was a, a testament to what was going on. I had a lot of fun. I wanted to go back. I wanted to spend some time with them. Um, but, you know, again, I think I'm on the, I've already rewatched season uh, one, uh, one time again, and it just flows nicely. It builds towards the big finale. And so I, I think, I hope that will be the, the legacy of those episodes more than uh, the discussions around uh, the stubborn style of the show. Hmm. Yeah, you guys are both like really lifting me up <laughs> in a in a in a good way because I didn't feel negative, but I think I felt like some of the the negativity of the discourse it was starting to seep in on this issue in particular. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because I I totally get the criticism because I I, I love the episodes and was totally engaged, but there was a little bit of like, wow, okay, uh, yeah. no Boba Fett, huh? Uh, but it was it was a minor distraction, mm -hmm. you know, and I loved the episodes. Um, but I, there's also just been a lot of discussion that I'm seeing online that it kind of it opens the door to making people think it's a marketing choice that make people mm. think we got to go back to Din and Grogu because look, we want to keep them on the shelves, the, the toys and the, yeah. you know, like, and this is an ancient star Wars conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but 
so I want to, and I want to be open to those things. And even if I don't think that's true, it, it does affect how other people perceive it. So I, I want to be open to them and understanding, but you guys, it feels like are kind of like bringing me home to <laughs> just <laughs> let myself enjoy it because I do think it works so well. It's about choice. And yeah. for me, yeah. chapter five is Din working through, here's what the creed is supposed to be, but he doesn't want to choose the creed. He wants to choose Grogu. It's so important that the last line is, sure, yeah, but I'm going to go visit a little friend first. That, <laughs> that's the decision. That's the conflict. And then chapter six has a lot going on, but it's also ultimately about Grogu choosing Din. Like, yeah, this Force thing's kind of fun, but it's got a lot of trauma for me. And this is nice. Yeah. I'd rather be running around with Din, <laughs> you know? So right. both of those episodes are about choosing family, which just funnels into all of the big themes of the whole show about choosing family and pushing back against kind of rigidity. Yeah. And I, I, I think, again, go, I, you know, seismic charge of change. Boba Fett makes kind of one big change and, it, and it's going to, you know, you could argue that you see this in Mando chapter, uh, you know, uh, I forget what chapter, but season two, uh, when Fett shows up, I just I think it all that's part of the re reason it all connects them thematically for me. Even though I get it, I get it because I had so much fun hanging out with Boba Fett and Fennec. Yeah, yeah. In the in speaking of that, let's move on to Fennec. Uh, Jennifer, how did you feel about Fennec Shand's role in Journey? Were you happy with uh, the Fennec Shand uh, journey in Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, I mean, I would have obviously liked more. I, I, you know, I think my thing is I, I could have done, had more episodes, right? It would have been nice to have a few more episodes just for my own uh, yeah. personal enjoyment. <laughs> um, and if we had gotten like her own, I mean, I don't know. I struggle. I, I, I thought that she was fantastic. Ming-Na Wen is, you know, she's 58 years old. That blows my mind. <laughs> and she clearly, like I said before, you know, she was having fun. You can tell. And just like, they were a nice juxtaposition. Uh, you know, she and Boba Fett, they, you know, she's like, you want me to do, you want me to do something, you know, but then also <laughs> calming him down. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's reassess. Think, think this through. Like, I just thought they were great together. They were great partners. Um, I would like to know more of her character. So, you know, I hope we'll see her again, but yeah, I thought, I thought she was great. I can yeah. always, I can always use more of everything. So. Yeah, I, I think that makes total sense. I mean, but that's kind of a classic Star Wars thing of, did you like this? Yes, I would like more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Ken, how did you feel about Fennec's role? Yeah, on one hand, I'm very happy, very happy. And you're right, Jennifer, Ming-Na Wen just seemed to relish every everything she got. And that's uh, what a great actor does, uh, is even take a, a one tiny scene and turn it into something bigger. Tur takes one line and turns it into something bigger. And I think she did that time and time again. And she was very key to the story. The character represented, I think, our point of view at times um, and had important things to do, including especially the big thing in the end, cutting off the head of the snake. I thought that was... Great stuff. Do I know her completely? Do I know her feelings about being saved in the desert in, in, a, in a complete way? Her origins? Not really. Um, uh, I know her more for sure, but I, I get those wanting more because I'm there too. Uh, and and I think the difference is maybe for me is uh, I, I don't think I was expecting that going into the series, not just because of the title of the show, but I just, I saw a lot of discussions. And again, I, we, we refer this discourse and discussions. It's hard to avoid it. And it's hard to not have it kind of come hammer your head <laughs> with what you think. <laughs> and, and I just wasn't expecting the buddy cop crime drama that I thought some people thought 
uh, even based mm. on quotes and marketing. I just, I wasn't expecting that. I don't right. know what I was specifically expecting that, but that's why we kind of have that engaged with what's presented to you kind of mindset over here is it just kind of, uh, you get to take what's there. Um, but that doesn't mean you don't want more. I love Fennec Shan. I love the design of the character. I love her skill set. I love the way she was used in Bad Batch. So I, I, I'm pretty sure we'll get some more. And I hope we get some more with Ming-Na Wen. I do think the character deserves more. Yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with all that. Of I definitely uh, would always be happy to have more, but I was really happy with the amount of great stuff about this character. Um, just from the like the surface fun, like there are multiple great fight scenes. Uh, I do love that she's got this um, kind of nice violence arc where Boba Fett keeps introducing her to everyone, just random people in the street. Like this is Master Assassin Fennec Shand, and you know <laughs> she's got this great journey where she is pu- pushing back on Boba. Like I'm trying to do this change thing that you're talking about, but but I don't trust people and almost everybody in the first few episodes is like, ah, that person kind of gave you lip. I think they're going to be a problem. Should I kill him? <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's like, no. And so she gets to complete her journey in these two ways where he's finally like, you know how you've been asking me to kill people? This is who I need you to kill. <laughs> <laughs> and she does it extremely well, earns the title of master assassin specifically. Yes. But then also through her whole arc uh, in, in Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett, like, we we meet her because she is hiding out alone in a desert wanted. That's what this life has brought to her, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that she gets shot by some punk <laughs> in the desert and left for dead. That's what this life brought her. And then we see in those flashbacks that Boba's like, I think that's what this life is. It's, you know, uh, getting paid money to be killed because idiots send you to do stupid things that don't matter. Yeah. Uh, and what if there's something else? And then we get her to see her grow to the point where at the end, she's into this, right? Like, she started out wanted in the desert when we met her in Mandalorian, and by the end, she's co-ruling this place, and from this, like, great perspective of, if not us, then who? You know, it's so important to me that she says that line. Mm -hmm. So, while I would have loved to have even more time with her, I think she absolutely goes through an arc. She's got this, she's the one who's questioning Boba's perspective, and she comes around and, and to the point where she's, like, even encouraging him to keep going on the path that he started. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So true. Great Fennec stuff. So, uh, Jennifer, I did want to ask you about the, the Tuscan journey. Uh, obviously for a ton of people, it was extremely joyful to get to know this much more nuanced version of the Tuscans. It started a little bit in Mandalorian, but even more in book of Boba Fett. It was great to see this fleshed out indigenous society, but then it was upsetting to have it end in tragedy. How did you feel about the, the Tuscan story and, and all of those big issues. Right, right. Well, initially when when it started out, I was I was like, "Oh man, I want I want to go back to the palace. Oh, I don't know about these flashbacks." But then it it hooked me. Um and it was it felt very intimate. Um I felt like it was tomorrow Morrison's some of his best performances, um getting to learn more about the Tuscans and their culture. It was really special. And so yeah, when when they were killed i was upset because i had envisioned this you know very tearful goodbye where he would say thank you so much i'm on my way um (laughs) and unfortunately we did not get that and it was only until i went online that i saw started seeing people who were um you know very very uh concerned and, and upset with how that was handled and i and i thought wow this is something that i had not thought about you know i i guess if anything i thought oh this is a part of our terrible american history but now I'm understanding why it could be, it, you know, it can be problematic. And so, and I'm still reading things about it and, and from um, Native people expressing their feelings. 
So it's complicated. You know, I, I would have liked to see more of them. I was kind of hoping at the end that maybe a few had survived and they would <laughs> yeah. come back. Um, but unfortunately, we did not get that. I'm still holding out hope. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also read that uh, Tamara Morrison said that it was important that he kind of created more of like um, a ceremony with with the bodies. He was like, we mm-hmm. need to do something a little bit more here. He's like, we can't just put them, you know, we, we got to make it, seem more um important and have reverence and i thought that that was that was great that he advocated for that yeah absolutely and i i think yeah for me it it is it there's so much that's absolutely wonderful about getting to spend time uh with those characters getting to spend time with that perspective uh how important it is to star wars and uh how important it is to the real world because of just how clearly the uh the tuscans are coded as indigenous people to Tatooine it it relates to the real world and it's one of those like not uh it's not just a Star Wars conversation about whose lightsaber is cooler right right (laughs) it has those real world implications so I want to be able to talk about it as as Star Wars storytelling but also want to be really respectful uh that it has direct impacts uh to real world cultures and I I it's helped me a lot to just see like great nuanced conversation uh from tweet threads to articles uh, where uh, I'm able to read a lot of different perspectives of Native and Indigenous people and, you know, think it through and just give myself uh, time to listen and try to learn, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, and I think that they would benefit going forward if they're, if they're going to do something like that. To have, uh, I don't know if they had this, like a, a reader, like a, sens- what is it, a sensitivity reader, you know, who reads the script and is like, you know, this this may not be, this might be problematic, this might be triggering for some people, you might want to rethink trying it like this, or I don't know, I mean, there's there's plenty of people that they can call consultants to, to um, have their take on it. And I think that that's that's important. That's also the benefit of having a writer's room is if you have many different voices, but of course, you know, John Favreau's, um, I know he's been doing and Dave Filoni, I think, right. He did an episode, mm-hmm. they did an episode together, but maybe moving forward, they, that's something they could consider. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it's great to acknowledge that, uh, Tamora Morrison, uh, has that perspective and, and brought it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it does just continue that conversation of how important it is to have, uh, multiple voices <laughs> involved yeah. in, in creating the art that we all absorb. Uh, Ken, do you have any uh, thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah. Always, as always, you know, it's like a, you, you want to kind of sit back and make sure you're listening to all those directly affected. And you, you said it too, Joseph, there, there's, uh, you know, nuances. That's uh, it's an important word uh, these days, right? Uh, sometimes lost, sometimes it's there. Uh, you know, hearing from, from some folks in some groups who were like, yeah, hey, that's, that's what happened to my ancestors. Did it hurt? Yeah. Maybe that should make you think about this and others are going, Hey, you know, we get it. We get the trope. We didn't need that right there. And I think that's one of the things we'll all take going, going forward. I, I will admit, I sometimes have a, have a thought of, you know, creators don't necessarily owe us any comfort, but I think they do owe us a little bit more understanding of the context and, and, mm. uh, and the times we're living in. And, and I don't think there was any, you know, malicious intent from Favre, anyone other than, no. hey, it, it's uh, it's this, we're drawing from this, and isn't it that? And that, yet it should affect you. And, and sometimes maybe maybe we're just in an era now, we have to, we ha- not maybe, we are in an era where we have to be extra careful about that. Um, and I think they did such, and, and part of it was they did such a good job of taking the old concept of the Tuscan Raiders uh, and, and the the older uh, stories and, and expanding it. And, and it affected and inspired people. So without a doubt, you're going to have, have passions and you should have passions for what happened. Um, I, in the end, I really do uh, 
love the use of the Tuscan uh, people in this story. It made me re- rethink, uh, you know, old views of the characters or just the use of them in the stories indeed. So I think it was effective in the end, but that doesn't mean it didn't hurt. And uh, when I say creators, sh- you know, don't owe us our comfort, I don't necessarily mean it in that. You know, they shouldn't go out of the way to hurt anybody. I don't think Fav- Favreau and team did. But I think that you just have to be extra careful. That's just where we are and that's where we should be. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is really great, Ken, of like there are things that have uh, that have filtered into our storytelling that have become tropes. And yeah. it's very important to know that you're not doing something as a trope, but you're doing something with the full weight and intent of the impact and of the historical connections of just yeah. being aware that you're that this isn't just a storytelling device this is something with extreme history and weight to it and yeah that's yeah. real important um so uh this is uh, it was odd to me i this this episode uh, my wife was out of town so i had to wait like a week to, before i watched uh, chapter three with her and uh, we watched it and we talked about all this uh, tuscan stuff but between ourselves and then i got to reveal to my wife and and actually the debate ended up being mostly about the vespas online uh, <laughs> So we're going to have that same extremely strange segue from the, the absolute deepest and most important that Star Wars can be to the real world to the space Vespas. Uh, Jennifer, what where did you land on the great space Vespa debate? I loved them. No. <laughs> when I saw it, I went, okay, all right, they're taking risks. Um, and, you know, I, at first I was, of course, it was a little shocking to see these brightly colored Vespas, uh, you know, on a dusty uh, Tatooine. But I thought, again, it was fun. I also felt like it was indicative of how these characters see themselves, right? These kids, like, you know, they're, they're teenagers, young people. They want to show off. They want to stand out. This is their way of showing we don't belong here. We're too cool for you guys. <laughs> um, and it also was very obvious, as everyone's talked about, very George Lucas to have these kind of 1950s looking scooters. And um, I, yeah, you know, I actually read oh, it, was, it was in The Hollywood Reporter that Robert Rodriguez, this was before the show came out. He was talking about like um, color scheme and how Lucasfilm had said to him, you know, we have very specific colors that we use. And he was like, well, I want something more dangerous. And they were like, okay, well, here are the colors that we use. So I wonder if, I don't know if he was talking about the space Vespas or something else, but I just what thought- What else was, could he have been talking about, right? You know, yeah, he even said, he was, they were like, the uh, reporter was like, well, what, what are you talking about? Can you, can you tell us? He goes, it'll be evident when you see the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty evident, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I just thought it was, it was, it was something new and I appreciate that risk. Yeah. Yeah. For me, ultimately, I I think I agree with everything you say, so I don't want to just repeat it. But I think the point of the mods is that they are young and they're making noise. They want to be seen and heard from primary colors to spins during battle. They're a little (laughs) extra because they want to be seen like youth cultures often do. Right. Yeah. Ken, any Vespa thoughts before we take a quick break? This will never be a hill I die on. I, I in the end, really enjoyed them. I didn't, initially they stood out. Initially, I had a little bit more problem with just that chase sequence. Not not the speed of it, but just like sometimes I think Star Wars TV is contained. It's not a big giant budget. It isn't Rise of Skywalker and it's not never going to be. So sometimes I just think some of the action sequences seem smaller to me than I want them to be as a Star Wars fan. So that was more my problem with the scene that. Uh, if you don't like the space Vespas and you hear me out on all the themes and the reasons why and the mods and George and race culture. If, if, if you hear all that out and at the end of the day, you're still like, don't like them. 
I, I, I'm not going to fight you on it. It's, it's a, it, I understand the point. It, it was very different. It stood out probably for a reason, but it does, it stood out. And that's what happens. You take a risk, you do something new, people are going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's so, so great to know that Rodriguez goes like, yeah, I'm going to take a huge swing. And some people are going to go home run. And some people are going to go, why are you, what did you do? Never step mm-hmm. here again. Right. <laughs> That's what happens when you take a big swing. And it's cool to know he that he's like, I'm taking a big swing. And mm. the internet's going to let me know. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be back to discuss more of the Book of Boba Fett. Back in a moment. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
And we're back to continue our discussion of Book of Boba Fett, wrapping it all up with great guest Jennifer Landa. We're going to go into some really exciting Jennifer Landa topics, I think, here. Uh, <laughs> we want to talk about the glory of the sanctuary. Uh, there was so much to love here. Uh, Jennifer Beale's performance as Garza Whip, uh, the return of Max Rebo, the possible ongoing life of Max Rebo, that <laughs> astromech drummer. Uh, Jennifer, what were your favorite aspects of this new Star Wars watering hole? Oh, I just was, I was dying when I saw this. I just loved it. Max Rebo on his organ. Uh, but, you know, Jennifer Beals as Garza Fwip, she was phenomenal. I mean, at first, you know, they didn't, they didn't give her a lot. So it was, there was not much there, but I knew I was like, okay, I already like this character. I like what she's doing. And then when we see that speech that she gave Chris Santon, right? It that gave me all I needed to know about her character. I was like, she is she has lived this life for a long time. She's dealt with a lot of Chrysantons, right? Mm-hmm. She has she has used her charm. And I just I loved it. It made me want to know more about the character, of course. Um, I just it was great. I, I was unexpected. Um and it was a place that I would absolutely love to hang out because you know that she takes care of her guests, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she makes it a good time for everyone. Yeah, I love it. It's just a, a contrast to uh, Chalman's Cantina in Mos Eisley. That's that kind of like a dangerous place. It's kind of low down and dirty and that. And, and you, you've, I've always had that fantasy. Like, yeah, I'd kind of like to go there, but it, I'm it probably going to end up like Luke. Somebody's just going to be mad at me <laughs> existing and want to murder me because my face looks too naive. But like the sanctuary just feels like, yeah, no, I, I want to go there every night. Um, and I love how much that that was the point. I mean, mm-hmm. Garza Fwip, uh, Jennifer Beals' Garza Fwip had like uh, poise and charm and control from every scene. But that speech about change is currently one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars. It's oh. just so powerful. And it's one of those moments that like, that's one of the pillars of these the big themes of Book of Boba Fett of like, Look, we've been through this war. Twi'leks have been through a lot. We've mm-hmm. been through crime on Tatooine. There is no reason that we can't have a little bit of peace and a little bit of joy. Don't worry, I'm still taking people's money from gambling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still making a large margin on these drinks. Look, I, you know, this, I have not turned into a nonprofit, you know. Right. But there's no reason that everything has to be about violence and who's against who can't we all just have a drink and get along that Mm. that was so powerful that desire that strong desire for change Mm. yeah i'm such a fan of garza whip Uh, i really am and am i disappointed she's dead well of course because i love that character but uh, for me i'm not taking anyone's uh frustration or anger with Feels uh, Garza Foot character dying. I just, again, that's just kind of one of those things where this is part of the story and it does represent a painful loss because it was truly a sanctuary. And and you're right, Joseph, to say it's like, it's it's the alt- opposite to, to Chalman's, but it doesn't go to like Canto Bite completely, right? Where it's just right. a, a false front of facade for, for darkness beyond it or, or anything like that, or this uh, you know sinful fantasy of Canto Bite. Uh, it's somewhere right in the middle, and it really does represent this this uh, image of the circle unbroken, or excuse me, the circle broken, uh, uh, the, the 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 pain, uh, the 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 underworld of tattooing, all the things that are kind of uh, at stake, and, and what people are trying to do, and and, and it's. I called uh, Gar- Garza Fwip a champion of change while wearing my uh, uh, Hit It Max t-shirt designed by the great Brian <laughs> Ward, my new favorite t-shirt in the world. Yes. I've worn it like four times since I got it. Um, because she does really represent that. And you're right, Joseph, that, that speech uh, is, is just so good. And, and talking about a performer 
getting, you're right, Jennifer, in the beginning, like one or two lines, right? She, she had yeah. a little bit to work with. She put so much into that. Her asking Boba Fett if he wants to wait at the bar with a drink while she gets him a table is one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the show uh, because of the subtext there. So yes. I really love everything about the glory of the sanctuary. Yeah. And Jennifer, your TikTok about this scene was uh, so good. I think it really drove home one of the other things I love. Like this scene would have been amazing if it was just Garza Fwip trying to stop a conflict. But the mm -hmm. fact that it was a conflict that is, you know, however centuries old between uh, Wookiees and Trandoshans and just that mm -hmm. like literal like here's just kind of an angry Wookiee who just can't let you know, centuries yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of animus between these two species just can't let it go, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. You the captured weight. that so well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, and even how, I mean, how can this Wookiee be so expressive? It's it's kind of amazing yeah. when you see, you know, the cameras uh, zooming into him and just that look of just disgust and also like <laughs> disillusionment, like it's it's all yeah. there. And then when we see him, you know, walking out of that out of the bar and just like oh it just was all so great i'm like how are they how are they doing this what kind of uh, technology are they doing with a <laughs> with a facial movements it was pretty impressive really amazing and jennifer where do you land on the uh, max rebo conspiracy theories do you think that he survived did he have the night off was he tipped off uh, was he somehow complicit in the bombing of the sanctuary? <laughs> oh, I think it would have been too much, right? I think that people would have focused so, so much more. Well, people already are focusing on it, right? I don't know. I mean, I actually went back and I was like looking at the wreckage of the place. I'm like, who do I, who do I see here? I don't see, you don't see any bodies. You, I, at yeah. least from what I can tell. Right. I and I don't know if that's, know. I think that's maybe just like a, you know, a Disney thing. I mean, this is kind of supposed to appeal for younger people. So, yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for bodies everywhere. Like the <laughs> Sarlacc pit. I was looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do we know in there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Ken, do you think, are you a Max Rebo conspiracy theorist? Uh, I, I, I do believe Max is alive. I do believe it was a night off. I, I just can't at this point, um, I just can't at this point accept that Max would have uh, sold himself out to the Pikes. But at the same time, he was, you know, he was very lo loyal to Jabba for years. Maybe he had some issues with Boba Fett and the change he was trying to bring here. I can't imagine that, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm really hopeful that Max, Max will return. I'm just glad that there, there was uh, no shots of him so we can imagine that, uh, <laughs> that he made it out. And I need that astromech drummer uh, rebuilt. One of my favorite things ever. Yes. Uh, Jennifer, I want to ask you about the, your just Return of the Jedi, Je Jabba's Palace super fan that you are. What did you enjoy most of seeing more of all of that area? Everything from the palace to a new rancor to seeing inside the guts of the Sarlacc, the Gamorreans, all of it. What was your favorites in that, all that? I felt vindicated. I felt, you know, for years I have talked about, I preached the gospel of Return of the Jedi and everyone has laughed in my face. And now I'm like, do you see guys? This is cool. Like this is, this is why I loved Return of the Jedi so much. And seeing the Gamorrean guards in their like buff form, I love that. I could see why they would, you know, be uh, hanging around and protecting the palace. Uh, they were not um, how they were <laughs> presented in, uh, Return of the Jedi, which was certainly more um, like uh, like pig, not pigs, boars, more like yeah. boars mm. in Return of the Jedi. They look more human-like, uh, in my opinion, in the Book mm. of Boba Fett. Um, I loved the Sarlacc pit. I was very happy that we got that jump scare mm -hmm. with the beak-like tongue, which again, fans were so upset when, when mm. they added that in. And I was like, ah, you see? 
He was George was right to add that in. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I, the, I'm in that Jennifer. I, I right? little little shop of Sarlacc is one of my least favorite things, <laughs> and now I'm like, no, I get it. I get why it's pretty horrific in a wonderful way. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I always liked that the, uh, the beak, uh, the sarlacc could make some choices about what it's going to eat. It doesn't just have to have whatever rolls down. Like that beak can make some choices in that horror. It was one of the amazing shots, one of the best horror shots in Star Wars. Like, what is that? Oh, it's the beak. Oh Lord. Oh my gosh. I feel like John Favreau and I could be really good friends. Like it's just <laughs> as if it's like everything I wanted. He gave me the only thing he did not give me was salacious be crumb. And like mm. I said, I was looking in the wreckage by the Sarlacc. I was looking. I didn't see anything. You were pausing and zooming for Salacious <sighs> Crumb. Someday. Someday <laughs> we'll get him. And the Ewoks. That would have been a nice addition as well. But, you now, know. would you have been upset if there was an Ewok in the in the Sarlacc when Boba was escaping <gasps> in the first chapter? That would have been cruel. <laughs> that would have been cruel. I would have felt like that would have been, yeah, that would have been taking a stand and I would not have liked it. <laughs> Understandable. Oh. Understandable. Any other thoughts on everything else we saw of the palace or sort of Return of the Jedi related? Oh, God, the Rancor. I, I'm going to dive into the Rancor, I think, for a video. Just seeing wh- mm. how far it's come from the, the puppet that they did in Return of the Jedi yeah. with, uh, you know, I mean, it was just, mm. it was really a lot of trial and error back in the day and so seeing it going all over the place jumping around at like uh mm, like uh what what am i call it king kong yeah, yeah it was it was pretty awesome awesome that's great awesome well let's get into uh luke skywalker then because you know uh, surprisingly luke skywalker showed up in the book of boba fett show which was great how do we feel about the choice that he gave to grogu jennifer i want to go to you uh first you are the only actual parent among us <laughs> and i think this is uh, definitely kind of a kind of parenting moment how did you feel about that choice that luke gave to grogu i mean i think he knew i think he knew what he was going to choose that's what you do when you give kids choices you kind of either lead them or you kind of have a feeling of where they're gonna where they're gonna go otherwise you wouldn't present them with a choice you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so i think and also i think it was fitting right that grogu chose to leave his training to help his his papa his friend just like luke left uh his training um yeah i thought that that was a really great parenting moment i'm i'm believing that grogu is a toddler i I, that's what my my feeling is is that he's just but and then i also felt like well is he too young to make this choice this is giving him too much power i want to see him with a lightsaber but (laughs) you know yeah that was that was an interesting uh story part of the story but it sounds like you leaned more toward um luke uh, sensing that this child had already made his decision and what he needed is to have it framed by an adult. It sounds like you lean more to that mm. more than it was irresponsible of Luke to make this young person uh, make a big life choice at this age. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, he wants Grogu's heart to be in it. You know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. and so he's, he's really, when you're presenting kids with choices is you're trying to empower them so that they feel good about the choice that they made. I mean, that's the idea behind it. You know what I mean? Like I spend freaking 15 minutes every morning <laughs> getting my daughter, which shirt would you like <laughs> this one? I present her with, I literally, I present her with two options, this one or this one. And I'm like, I hope you don't choose this one. And she always, you know, she might choose it, but it, she feels good. And she starts her day feeling like, yeah, I don't have much other agency, but I know I can choose my shirt. And Mm. so there's there's something really powerful about that for kids. 
I, I love this idea. I, I know we don't have the two hours to go into this uh, attachment issue like we did last week here on the channel. <laughs> uh, I really love uh, hearing your perspective on that, Jennifer, this idea of like, I kind of already know, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the full context of your choice. And maybe you even feel more confident that you picked the right shirt for school today. Grover. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that perspective. Yeah. It, Ken and I had a very long conversation about this, so uh, we won't repeat it, but I really do like that Luke just, it, it felt kind to me and I'm open to all sorts of uh, other opinions, but it really did feel like, it seems like you don't want to be here, buddy. Mm -hmm. You can go if you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Grogu's like, uh, thanks. I will. Right. Yeah. 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 Th thanks for giving me the option. Uh, and, and I'm out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about that though, Jennifer? Do you think that Grogu made the right choice to go back to a uh, uh, Din Daddy Jaren? I mean, see, this, this, now this, this is where I do kind of step back and I'm like, well, practically speaking for this, you know, season three of the Mandalorian, you, you got to have Grogu and Mando together. Because if you don't, then we're going to have to check in on his training with Luke. And then that kind of sets off a, a chain where it's like, then we start thinking, at least I was, I was like, is he the first student of, right, of right. Luke's Jedi Academy? Like, what, wait, oh my gosh, and the ramifications, and you know all the videos that would be made about that. And <laughs> Did he know Kylo Ren? I mean, it's like, it just goes on and on and on. So I think just practically get him back with Mando and we start that, that storyline in season mm. three. That that's just all I was thinking about, to be honest. Okay, yeah, that ma that makes a, a ton of sense. And you don't feel as a viewer. I've seen a couple people see this, so I'm I'm curious what you said of like uh, or what you thought of people saying, "Well, if he was just going to go back to Din, why did we have this storyline? Why did he live leave anyway?" What do you feel about that, Jennifer? Oh, well, we we want number one, we want to see a little bit of training, right? I mean, he has this. <laughs> Incredible, incredible gift. So we want to see him kind of hone that. So at least we got a little bit of that. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. Um, oh my gosh, I don't even know. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I think it is about choice. I think it is about um, the first two seasons of, of Mandalorian. Din and Grogu kind of found themselves together. And by Grogu choosing to leave because he thinks, I mean, he chose to call for Luke, right? And then Luke came and he chose to go with him. And then, like, so the choice that Luke's presenting him is kind of like the third time somebody's asked Grogu. Like, really, really, what do you want, kid? Because it seems like you keep choosing this thing because you kind of think you should want it. But what you really want is this. And now now we're going into season three. Not only are they in the cool uh, N1 Starfighter together, but but Din has said, yeah, I chose to take my helmet off and I'll take the consequences because this kid means that much to me. I choose him. Uh, and I think... Now we have it from Grogu too of like, I really did try to see if I wanted to go back to this other life that I used to have in these foggy traumatic memories, but I don't want that. I want to be with Din. So for me, it, it's, they choose to be together. They're not just stuck together now. Whatever mission they're on, it's their mission together next season. Yeah. So anyway, uh, a lot of strong opinions for me <laughs> about Grogu and his choice. Uh, you know, I also love that, you know, we see his training pay off. You know, I love it when Luke says about Yoda, he was small like you, but his heart was huge. And we see that play out in the way Grogu handles the Rancor. Uh, it's such a, a tender moment to me. Uh, any other Grogu or Luke thoughts, Jennifer? Oh, 
you know, I, I burst out, I actually burst out crying. It was shocking. I, I was not expecting it. And that specific moment when he says that to him and seeing that it was such a, a moment that I feel like I've had with my girls, you know, where I'm just like, just because you're young, just because you're small, you can still yeah. be brave. You can still be strong pointing to examples. Like it just was so real. And I just was like, oh my, and, and then I, I started laughing because I'm like, I'm crying at a freaking puppet. And this <laughs> like, you know, this deep fake Luke, like what is going on? Um, but it, it was, I blame it on the force theme because I heard that and that sent me over, you know, um, but it just was a really beautiful moment. And I just was like, God, I love Star Wars so much. It just is taking these things, which I know for a lot of people, they're like, "What do you? This is like a little green baby, you know?" Yeah, and this yeah. <laughs> CGI Luke, and it's like, no, it's so much deeper, and how it connects to our world. It's just, mm. it's beautiful. Oh, I well, wondering, I, I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, no need for me to spend any more time on it. We, we we've talked a lot about it here, and, and will again. But I love hearing what you're saying, Jennifer, and and how that you know some you know the thumbs up, thumbs down reviews on the episodes. Does the, the tech work? Is the tech morally right? All those kind of things. I understand, and love a lot of those conversations. I've had a few of them off air recently with friends. But at the end of the day, the reason I keep coming back to this every week is what you're saying, Jen. Is is it hits you on a level you didn't expect? It hits you with the magic, and and, and that's why we keep investing in Star Wars, and uh, that's why sometimes I seem even. In the last year just less interested in what what some of that discussion around the stuff is let's discuss what is there it's so important for me because that's how you end up crying on your couch <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I, I love what you're both saying and it, it, it to me it's a part of what makes star wars unique and weird and different is that it's always had these technological pushes right so it's like mm-hmm. yeah that was a conversation conversation between a, a muppet and a man with a computer face but <laughs> it moved me deeply and related to my life and it's gonna help me you know yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there are so many uh, returning characters. We only have so long for this episode. This episode could be eight hours long. Uh, but we wanted to touch on all these great returning characters and, and see who who you really gravitated to, Jennifer. Um, we had Cad Bane, Cobb Vant, uh, Black Chrysanthemum, Ahsoka, Pelimoto, the N1 Starfighter. I'm sure I'm forgetting characters. Which of those spoke uh, to you the most, Jennifer? Pelly. Oh, my gosh. Amy Sedaris was brilliant like that whole that whole those scenes the way she's talking to the jawas the way she's talking to her pit droids star wars language is really difficult right it's not easy to be shooting out those terms she did it so effortlessly and so um believably i just was Mm. i loved it the humor that she brought i just thought that it was they used her so well right they really played Mm. to her strengths as an actor it just was it was great all of it, that all oh, that whole that whole sequence with the N one Starfighter. I mean, I could go on and on. It's just, it was like a feast for the eyes, um, and tickles in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> I really like your point that she's effortless with the delivery of it. It's it's comedy, but it's also it was a lot of spaceship part jargon that she just threw yeah. over the her shoulder. Yeah, you know, and she's she's not like a Star Wars fan, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is she's coming to this just from from scratch, and it's just this, it was perfect. It's fun to imagine like Pelimoto as a character getting that script and going, "You want me to say what? Okay." <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was wonderful. Ken, who did who did you gravitate to the most out of these returning characters? Is it just all of them, or is somebody <laughs> ringing in your head now that the whole thing is done? 
Well, it is truly all of us. Such a fan of Cad Bane, and wow, I get to cheer him in a different way. I love the cut of uh, my own growth with the live action version of Cobb Banth, which uh, initially wasn't a. I was on board with, but it didn't completely uh, connect with what I would expect from the character. Black or Satin, I love. Uh, Ahsoka, Pelimoto, I've, uh, again, uh, grew to love. But that N1 Starfighter, it's still this big, big billboard of prequel love. It's something that I didn't necessarily expect. And even uh, once it started to happen, I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. I had a big smile on my face. They really just lean into it. And, and it's still, I keep going to Bryce Dallas Howard, getting so much emotion out of the scenes that she shot and, 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 um, that that N one Starfighter man, it's the superstar, the breakout superstar of the series for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Um, I, I love Cad Bane. Could go on and on about how how great he was. That he was nightmare fuel. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Soka yeah. and Luke meeting is uh, huge, and we're going to see more of. But I was really moved by Cobb Vance and his his story of a lack of armor. Right? How many people mm-hmm. say like, oh, you shouldn't have given up that armor, and you know what what have you been up to since losing the armor? Well, I've been more careful. Um, I thought it was this great story of like uh, doing the right thing makes you vulnerable sometimes. Like he had to give up that armor to protect his town and and it has made him more vulnerable, but he's got people to literally pick him up, you know, uh, Mm. when he falls. Uh, That that story in just the charm. I like, I've been saying, think it through to myself about everything I've been doing. Think it through. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then my quick thought on the N1 is just like, I loved how much it represented the, the fun and the joy of Star Wars. You know, I don't think Wizard was just like, yay, he said the the line. I think it was about that that spirit of fun and adventure and change was still open to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I I think one of the, like, huge lines for me in the whole show is uh, when when Din goes to Cobb Vanth and Cobb Vanth kind of says, like, he's admiring, like, an old muscle car. Like, is that Mm -hmm. a Naboo starfighter? And uh, Din says, that's what it started off as. Yeah, in a show about change like that's why it's there it's not there just for nostalgia it's there to start with nostalgia take something cool from the past and build something new out of it that's so great to me wow i'm fist pumping right now that's exactly (laughs) it that's exactly it yes awesome uh, well, at the risk of, of uh, swerving quickly from joy, I did want to leave room to discuss anything that we disliked or questioned or struggled with. Was there anything, Jennifer, that that was an obstacle for you enjoying this show? No, I mean, I was actually <laughs> the only time I started wondering was when I started seeing the discourse online um, on Twitter. And I I was like, oh, my gosh, are we watching the same show? Because I'm really <laughs> having fun with this. I don't know. Um, so then I just closed the app and, uh, you know, I went on to TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> because people on TikTok are so, I don't know, they're just really nice and uh, it's kind of refreshing as opposed to how how YouTube has been, which has not been as kind. So, yeah, yeah. but no, I, I loved every moment of it. Loved it. I'm loving this new era. Uh, and I think John Favreau and Dave Filoni are doing something really magical. It's really exciting. Oh, that's great. That is really, really great to hear. And I think at the end of the day, I, I feel like you as well. I think I want to listen to the criticisms because I think sometimes they're important. And sometimes even though I disagree with them, I kind of want to know where people are coming from. But sure. I definitely did have that disconnect of like, yeah, no, I, I, I get where that's coming from. I understand why people would feel that way or perceive that way. Or I understand why people would guess that motivation mm-hmm. uh, of the creators. But for me, it was really joyful and only becoming more joyful as we talk about it. 
Uh, how about you, Ken? <laughs> um, I, I, where I'm at, if you want to ask about rankings, uh, I got asked that a few times this weekend by at, at a bar. Uh, I, I ranked this above Mando season two for me. Mm-hmm. I know that's not necessary for everybody. I just enjoyed it from start to finish. Uh, I'm with Joseph on that. I, I understand and sometimes like to hear the other sides and discussions at the end of the day with this particular show. Um, even some of the problems I have with Mando, which is I, I love the volume. I also kind of don't love it. It's this weird <laughs> relationship I have with it. It looks amazing. It's this wonderful tech. It looks small and looks kind of awkward to me at times. All those things that I had with Mando that I got stuck in my head about, um, not here. I just, something about it opened up my heart. There was just something um, that the whole show spoke to me uh, outside of big um Big questions that it brought up and some, uh, you know, societal issues that we all could, could learn from and discuss. All those kind of things were there. I get that. I'm not throwing that out. Uh, I'm not throwing anyone's opinion of the show out, by the way. Just right. I'm like, Jen, I, I've heard some of them. Even this weekend to some friends, I was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I loved it. I got nothing for you. <laughs> like, I got nothing for you. I understand the style was different. I think the style, I keep saying the style is very stubborn. It is, I, I, I'm hoping Obi-Wan has a different feel and a different momentum. To to the show, I think uh, both Mando and Boba Fett take their time in in a way that I enjoy, but I don't want all my Star Wars every week to be like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to a different style. I'm really looking forward to Andor shot on you know location elsewhere, and I'm and I love the volume. I love the vibe. It's just I think it's still growing and getting better for me. And this season had some amazing effects, and and I think they're they're growing leaps and bounds. So end of the day, I get it all. But man, this is a this is a seven chapter story. I really love. Oh, very well said, Ken. I think that's absolutely great. Uh, we are heading toward wrapping up here. Were there uh, any other things that we particularly loved that we wanted to share? Jennifer, were there any other scenes, characters, action moments, canon connections that you wanted to be sure to shout out? The spin. I know. I'm- <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. No, I just, I, like I said, it was a feast for the eyes. Every every single thing I could, I, yeah, this is a first time where I'm actually going back and rewatching just moments of the episodes or actually watching full episodes, which I have not done in a long time because I put it on and even my, my two girls, they saw a, a little scene from the scene from the uh, finale and they were, they were engrossed. They were cheering, you know, when the, when the Rancor was appearing and Grogu, Ugh. they were into it and I was shocked and then I had to turn it off, you know, cause I didn't want them to see any of the other stuff, but that to me, I was like, this is this is a testament to how great this show is. That it can appeal to me, an old lady, and my kids. <laughs> and you know, they don't know all about the lore and whatever. They just they just had fun with it. And I thought that is a successful Star Wars show to be able to play on those two levels. Yeah, yeah, Boba Fett on the Rancor, man. It works on multiple levels. Uh, uh, Ken, uh, for me, the only other moment I wanted to be sure to shout out is I, I just love Luke giving Grogu the little force hop so he can keep yeah. up on their walk. Oh. I, I would pay so much money for Luke Skywalker to do that to me. It would be yeah. so great. Yeah. Uh, Ken, any other moments you want to shout out? Uh, no, no, we, we'll, we'll keep coming back to them. We might do some ranked on best moments, all those kind of things. I just, I've just really... Uh, enjoyed so many little things there's so many of my favorite little thing in star wars is those little moments that keep pulling you back and there was time and time again from kersantan's eyes so glad you pointed that out <laughs> to uh garza whips kind of uh smiles both real and fake uh i loved it all and uh problems and all there's always going to be problems we always say that uh I, I was just not swimming in that uh in that part of the pool and loved everything about it Oh, that is awesome. Uh, So, Jennifer, we want to ask you the final question, final weird fun question. If you had a back-to-tank like Boba Fett, uh, what life flashbacks would you have while soaking in your back-to-tank? Are they supposed to be positive or negative? (laughs) Whatever you want to be. Take the question where you want to go. 
I think I'd like to go back to my theater days when I was uh, a <laughs> South Coast repertory in Orange County taking <laughs> taking classes and deciding I wanted to be an actor and I really should have gone a different direction. But you know what? <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it was some really wonderful times and some I had a lot of wise mentors back then. So yeah, um, yeah that was a great time. Well, there you go, listeners. A little preview of the book of Jennifer Landa. It's in there. <laughs> And then that theme song kicks in of Orlando. All right. <laughs> we would love to continue talking. We have to keep uh, this uh, episode moving. So, Ken, do you want to let people know uh, where they can find us? Yeah, absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you can get into our Discord where we have a weekly conversation a character of the week when I can uh, actually get to it. This week, we've been talking about Vi Marathi. Mm. A lot of uh, fun discussions over there. You can support us there. You can follow me at Cadnapsuck. Go to my website, cadnapsuck.com. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And check out all of my other adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. And Jennifer, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Jennifer Landa. And on TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. That is it for this episode for myself, for Ken, for Jennifer, for all the fun aliens we got to see. This has been Force Center. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.